1: September ends. Hello
2: and welcome to episode 158 of Section 138 podcast. I'm Mark Colley, and uh, life sucks right now. The Blue Jays lose two of three to the Yankees, and uh, somehow, miraculously, their season is not yet over. Despite everything we talked about last week, they still have a shred of hope. The Red Sox are allowing them to hold on to this season by a thread. And the, the nerves and the pain and the stress just keep
1: on going for another couple
2: days. But how are you, bracing?
1: Yeah, honestly, I wish it can be a lot better. I mean, we, we knew what how important this series was. And uh, just to sum it up quickly, the Jays just couldn't get it done. And in three games, they take one, they lose two. And uh, yeah, I mean, based off of the Red Sox losing to the Orioles, that is pretty much the only reason why they remain in contention. The only problem is now going forward... Is you have to rely on the Angels and the Nationals here to help you out over the weekend, and I guess you can include the Rays with the Yankees. So you need help, and of course you have to win out as well at this point. So we'll see what happens, and uh, we're going to talk about it throughout the next hour. Yeah, I forget the exact stat, but I think it was only the third
2: time in Red Sox franchise history that they've lost a, a series to a team heading into it that the the opposing team had a hundred losses. So just you know, a unicorn from the Red Sox to keep the Blue Jays' season alive. But it is by a thread. They have to do a lot over this remaining series against the Baltimore Orioles to stay in the hunt. But how are you, Jacob?
0: I am holding on to every piece of uh, hope that I can right now. And, I mean, as you said, there's there's one game separating the Blue Jays and the Red Sox. Only problem here is the Mariners have also kind of taken a, a bit of a leap forward. So if you're a Blue Jay fan... Let's be real here, you need either a sweep or you're packing your bags. So it's it's definitely a, an unfortunate time right now considering really the Blue Jays had a chance to to take over the Yankees or really give themselves a three-way tie going into the last series of the season, but at least they're not out of it, so I'm doing semi okay.
2: Yeah. I I wish they would just end it. <laughs> like stop keeping up with this like honestly as things stand right now, I don't think the Blue Jays are making it because a lot has to go right over this final weekend for that to happen and it's just so much stress to watch. It's a lot of fun, I'll give it that, but it's a lot of stress and a lot of, you know, if the Blue Jays are losing, pain and anger. But um yeah, a crazy week for the Blue Jays. They dropped two of 3 to the Yankees and the Red Sox doing their best to keep the Blue Jays in it. Um is the season over? Or I guess a better way to put it, what do the Blue Jays have to do and what happens has to happen. With their opposition to stay in the hunt this weekend. Right now their magic number is three. Basically. So any combination of Red Sox or Mariners wins. Slash Blue Jay losses. Will chip away at that magic number. And there's three games left. So if the Blue Jays lose tonight. Against the Orioles. If the Red Sox or Mariners win. Their magic number is down to one. If any other combination of those happens. It's down to two. Um, It's coming down to the wire. And what do the Blue Jays have to do? over this remaining weekend of the season to get into a postseason spot or at the very least, more likely, a tiebreaker game.
0: They need a sweep and nothing less than a sweep. Now, maybe, theoretically, somehow, if the Red Sox, the Mariners, uh, lose 3 of 3 or, or whatever, however many games remaining they have, maybe the Blue Jays don't need a sweep. You take 2 of 3. Like If you take 1 of 3, then I think the conversation's over. But realistically... When I look at the American League Wild Card standings, the Blue Jays. Uh, there's only four teams left. It's the Blue Jays, the Red Sox, the Mariners, and the Yankees. Yankees have a two-game lead over, as of right now, the Mariners. I think that's just because of uh, alphabetical order are ahead of the Red Sox right now. So, but those two are tied. Uh, you're gonna need to win. Basically, you're on the. If you're the Blue Jays, you're on the outside looking in right now, and you're only a game back. So. Yes, it's not that bad, but when you think about it, in order to to tie that or to tie the Red Sox slash Mariners, I don't think you're tying the Yankees. But in order to tie one of those two teams, you have to win tonight, and they have to lose, and then the same thing has to happen the next time. So, like a one-game deficit, really, it's a two-game, uh, it's a two-game marathon at this point because you you need to win two games, and they need to lose two games in order to come back. And then say the Blue Jays lose, say they win the first two games and then lose the final game of the season. Maybe you have a three-way tie if things go the absolute best for you, but I don't think you can bank on that. At the at the end of the day, the only thing you can do, you can say Steven Matz, Alec Manoa, Hyunjin Ryu, you give us everything you've got, you, you pretty much hand it over to the bullpen, sixth or seventh inning, fifth inning, whatever it is, give up the least amount of runs you can. This offense is going to have to turn things around. And that's all you can really focus on. Is you just you you desperately need a sweep. In theory, it's possible, and maybe depending on who you ask, likely against the hundred-loss Orioles. I'm still not going to say that that's a guarantee. And that's the tough thing: is you have three games remaining, and you you need to make up two games. I think at this point is fair to say, and probably three, because if either the Red Sox or the Mariners win, then that's the, pretty much putting you back to where we were in 2016, where the final game of the season was that was the deciding factor and even in that game I think the Blue Jays finished later than the Tigers in that year and the Tigers had lost so then they clinched like halfway through the game but this season's different you basically if you don't sweep uh, then it's probably season over and I think the hardest part about that is the fact that this could take the entire weekend so we could be sitting here Friday night Blue Jays maybe they win today and we're all happy about it But then they end up not clinching or or not qualifying on Sunday. And it's like, well, we were happy for, I'm not going to say no reason, but we were happy, excited, and then it eventually didn't end up resulting in in a playoff berth. But if, at this point, all you can control is what you do at the Rogers Center against the Baltimore Orioles, and that has to be a sweep if you want really any shot to make the playoffs. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I think the Yankees at this point are all but, confirmed to make the playoffs. They have a two-game lead over both the Mariners and the Red Sox. Unless they get swept, it's probably they're probably going to end up winning or, or making the playoffs. And I mean, they are against the Rays. They have already clinched the best record in the American League, so that's very likely that they ease off a little bit, prepare for the playoffs. You might not see their best guys out there. But again, these are all hypotheticals, and it's, it's really... It's not something that I would like to bet on. Like, if it, All you can do is you can focus on the Blue Jays winning. Hope that you get some help from either the Red Sox or the Mariners. They can lose a game. You can take over. But now it's going to be difficult because you don't have just one team to take over. You have two. And, you know, we talked almost a week at this point. We were saying that how the Yankees and the Red Sox are playing each other. And that's a good thing because then the Blue Jays, the teams that they're ahead of or, or that are ahead of them, are playing each other, and so it's a lot easier to make up ground because you're guaranteed for one of them to lose. Well, they didn't, I mean, they, they I think at the same time, they had split the, the four-game series with Minnesota, and now you have two teams that you're looking at that are not playing each other. Two of them, I mean, the Angels are out of it. Uh, the, who is it, the uh, the Nationals are out of it. So, it, it's, it's a lot of complicated stuff. Basically, you sweep, you have a shot. If you don't sweep, then, I mean... Next season, we'll have a little bit extra motivation, but it it's definitely an unfortunate ending if it doesn't end in a playoff berth. Still doesn't take away from a good season, but I don't think we want to discuss that yet. I think we're still in the moment trying to hold on to a bit of hope, but all you can do, take three of three, and we'll see where that goes. Maybe that leads to a playoff berth if you get lucky with the, the other teams, but it's, it's going to, I think, come down probably to that final inning of that final game on Sunday.
1: Well, that, that's the problem, is that a sweep doesn't guarantee you anything. And that's why, you know, you say it's in the Jays' hands. It really technically isn't. And that's the problem, because this past series it was. And that's what makes it disappointing, is that this series against the Yankees was the opportunity where you had it in your hand. And I remember Mark and I were talking about this on the weekend, uh, this past weekend before the series, is that it is in your hands. And now it's not. It really isn't. I know you you do have to sweep. There There is no uh, option at this point, because me... I don't know about you guys, and I think it'd be crazy for us to rely on the Nationals and the Angels taking two out of three from both the Red Sox and Mariners. I think that's out of the question. Um, if you're lucky, the Nationals take one and the Angels take one this week, and That's who you're relying on. You need the Nationals and the Angels to help you. And, of course, the Rays, who have nothing to play for, um, who knows what that happens. Obviously, I'm... The Yankees appear to be the front runners, like you were mentioning, Jacob. But for the sake of it, I'll include them. The only thing is, is that the expanded rosters this year the, give me some hope with the Rays. Is that the expanded rosters this year are only at two over the usual, so it's at twenty eight, not the usual forty. And the Rays somehow, no matter who the heck they call up, is dominant. So, do I have somewhat some faith in the Rays still this weekend? Yes. Um, I just think at this point you're looking more at the second wild card spot, if if anything. And here's the other thing. I'm not even looking at a playoff spot. I'm looking for some sort of way the Jays can sneak into a tiebreaker scenario. And that's crazy, but that's just the way I'm thinking now. And I think that's really the most realistic way. Unless, like I said, um, somehow the Angels and the Nationals take two out of three. But I'm not going to bank on that at all. And then, of course, for the Jays' point, you have to sweep the Orioles. And the Orioles now took two out of three from the Red Sox. So you don't want that happening to you. Any sort of loss tonight probably puts things to bed but of course things will technically play out through the weekend because nothing will be set in stone mathematically until sunday so the best case scenario for me um is that the jays win tonight on friday and somehow the nationals and angels win tonight if both of those teams win tonight the amount of energy and the amount of kind of things that could turn around uh, within 24 hours would be insane but i mean at some point this weekend that's what's going to have to happen and that's the problem is that you had it in your hands you, you lose 2 out of 3 to the Yankees, who are red-hot, but just disappointing series uh, from left, right, and center. And, um, you know, yeah, there was some hope in Game 3 as well. The Jays were up for a brief moment in time. Game 1, you have Hunjin Ryu, who has a decent start. Unfortunately, him not deeping or pitching deep in the game is probably a factor to why they lost that game, because he had to go to the bullpen for pretty much most, or at least half the game. And, of course, we know that Game 2 was a, a crazy game, a uh, crazy game that they ended up winning. It was a back-and-forth game throughout, but... Just, a, just a killer, you know. Like it, it, just it really is. And at this point, my chances are low, Mark. I agree with you here. Um, if I have to give them a percentage that they get in, I'm probably going to be generous and say 30% at this point. And remember, even if they get into a tie break, that doesn't mean they're in the playoffs. So that's why you come out of this weekend. Um, I think there's some there's a realistic possibility that you could be in Boston and in Seattle before a, an an eventual wild card game. So the Jays have a, a hard hill here to get to the playoffs Um, they have to go over pretty much that a tiebreaker scenario before they get to a wild card game and that's really the only way they can get in and you you go back to throughout the year um, the Tanner Roark start in Texas you go to the Chatwood games where the the bullpen blew it and when you look back on it now and we knew that this was going to be something that was going to haunt them later on in the year but when you look back at it now all they needed to do was win what two games out of those games that they blew, and it's crazy to say now, but it, it really is true when you look back on those games early on in the year, and unfortunately, the the hole that the Jays dug themselves in from the get-go, um, it might be too much uh, for them to make up for, and I think we're seeing that right now, you know, if, if they miss out by one game, by the looks of it, or as it looks right now, uh, I'm going to be very disappointed, just because of the amount of opportunities they had, and the amount of opportunities they had to make up for it, case in point, this past series... It's just, it really is a disappointment as much as it was a good year at the same time. You really hope that there's some way this weekend that the Angels and the Nationals can help you out so the Jays can sneak into a tiebreaker. And that doesn't even guarantee a spot, like I said, but we'll take it. And uh, at this point, I think for the Jays' point, of course, uh, like what you were mentioning too, Jacob, you got to sweep. And uh, to say the least, you got to see what happens after that. But of course, you got to take care of business first and sweep the Orioles. Yeah, the hope right now is hinging on a tiebreaker. Because even if the Blue Jays sweep the
2: Orioles, in order to avoid a tiebreaker scenario, the Red Sox would have to win only one of three. The Mariners would have to win only one of three. And as we've talked about, as lucky as the Blue Jays were to have the Red Sox have a fluke series to lose two of three to the Orioles, all bets are off. That's not going to happen again against the Washington Nationals. Mariners maybe it's a little bit more likely who knows with the Mariners they're just an infuriating team with a run differential of like negative 60 and they have a better record than the Blue Jays who have a run differential of what 150 it's just infuriating to watch them one win better in the standings than the Blue Jays right now but who knows maybe that's more possible we know the Angels are a better team than the Nationals so if you're looking at the shakeup there maybe you can bet on the Mariners losing two or three games but Um, that's what needs to happen for the Blue Jays to at the very least avoid a tiebreaker scenario. If the Blue Jays find themselves in a tiebreaker, um, for that to happen, they need to sweep and those two teams need to go at least two of three. Um, if the Blue Jays win two of three, then you need those teams to win one less game to enter into tiebreak scenario. So one out of three for those teams. Um, It just shakes up that the Blue Jays need one more win over this final series than those two teams to at least keep the door open. We're not talking about likely. We're not talking about um, potential scenarios where the Blue Jays get to the wild card. We're just talking about keeping the door open long enough for the Blue Jays to sneak through somehow. To have some path to sneak through to the postseason. So, incredibly... Um, unlikely that any of that happens, and like you said, Bryson, I think that's way optimistic in my opinion, I put it around 15%, I think, just looking at the opposition the Red Sox are facing, the opposition that the Mariners are facing, I put it at 15% of making the wild card spot, of making the postseason, not including a tiebreaker scenario, so 15% chance of the Blue Jays sneaking through into that tiebreaker, and then from there into the wild card spot, but Oh, man. I think it's really unlikely. I think I'm a lot more pessimistic right now than you are. But, Jacob, where would you put the odds at of the Blue Jays making the postseason? Not just making the tiebreaker, but making it into that wild card spot.
0: See, even before you said 15, I was thinking more around 25%. Because, look, there's two things that you kind of have to factor in. And as I'm not going to go too in-depth because we've said it. You need to win, and you need other teams to lose. And when you combine those two... I would say maybe sweeping the Orioles is a 40 to 50% chance and that's probably a bit generous. But the odds of of other teams uh, banking on those teams losing and, and not just losing once, but losing twice and, and and losing that series is very low, so I would say when you combine those two probably ab- around 25% and I would say hosting the wild card game 1%. I wouldn't say near 0, yeah. but it's it's probably not happening unless every other team just just falls off the rails but in terms of just getting into that wild card game I think 25 is I don't know if it's generous or pessimistic but I'll just say that and it it's it still gives the Blue Jays a chance you know you got three games as we've seen all season long those odds from all these different websites can fluctuate after just one win or one loss so we'll see what happens tonight maybe that can change a little bit
1: the question I have, Mark, for you, or even both of you, if we want to go around again, is that do you think it's more likely that uh, the Nationals or the Angels take at least one game from those teams, or do you think it's more likely that the Jays sweep the Orioles? Because the Jays haven't done that this year, and that's what also concerns me, is that they've they've had some trouble with the Orioles this year, putting them away at times. You have Steven Matz tonight in Game 1. You have uh, Alec Mnoha, I think that's the game we're most confident for, is that Saturday game. But the Sunday Game too. Hunjin Ryu going back on the mound, and we know that the Orioles have hit him hard a few times this year, so that's another toss-up. So what do you guys think is more likely? Well, even Alec
2: Manoa's has had his struggles against Baltimore this season as well. We saw the game where he eventually got suspended for it, but hitting a whole bunch of batters. He gave up back-to-back home runs. So I think I'm more confident that the Mariners or the Red Sox would lose at least one game than the Blue Jays sweeping the Orioles because, I mean... Still you're looking at the odds of two to three. The odds of that happening, I think, for the Red Sox and for the Mariners are a lot higher than the Blue Jays sweeping the Orioles. That's where I just where I stand on it.
0: Well also we need to factor in the fact that the offense like let's be real here, the offense was not really there in that series, so or in the series against the Yankees. So if you're if you're the Blue Jays, you have like yeah, maybe in theory you have the pitching Advantage, I would say a slight advantage, but you know, you look at this, and Teoscar Hernandez was hitless in the entire series. I think Guerrero had two hits or something, which not bad. I think he still drove in a couple runs, and he almost had a two-run home run. But it's it's I don't think that you can necessarily bank on a sweep, really, when you you need probably everything to go right. Like everything that has gone right at, at times in the season, you had good offense, good pitching. Good bullpen, which still has actually been pretty good, other than maybe a few blips in the series. But you need everything to go right on your on your field, and then also on the other field. But it's it's going to be, I think, a little bit more difficult than people are expecting. Like just to say, you need a sweep of the Orioles. That that's not really a guarantee, and it's going to be extremely tough. I think if if you're seeing basically what we saw in this previous series, where like eight guys or nine guys, whatever it was. We're left on base yesterday, and it's uh, like Baltimore's not a good team, but I don't think that we can count them out because they are still a major league team at the end of the day.
1: Here's the thing, too, is that you know coming into this year, we all know the expectations and everything like that. But throughout the year and throughout, I guess, the end of the summer months, all of our expectations rose. And if the Jays, like, if it when it happens for sure, if it happens for sure, where they are like mathematically eliminated, it's gonna take me some time to get over this. I'm not gonna lie, guys. Like this is really. disappointing throughout this last week and I it was it impacted me a lot more than I thought but I mean I don't even know like if if the Jays find a way to lose one of these games on the weekend that's probably gonna likely be it like we were mentioning so I mean we will see and um, at this point even if you do sweep it might not be enough but um, I really um, don't know what to say it's just been you know one heck of a ride as much as it could get disappointing at the same time and it's gonna take me a bit to get over I'm not gonna lie so it's um, it's something that they've put themselves in though, unfortunately. And you were mentioning the offense, Jacob. I mean, there were some times where they showed up, or sometimes where they didn't. And really, the only highlight for me, or the one guy who was consistent throughout all three games in general, was someone, Beau Bichette. That's who I had highlighted. And of course, one of the killers came from yesterday, where he had a leadoff double, and um, the Jays managed to strike out three times after that. So we're gonna, I guess, we'll de- de- uh, probably talk about the offense a bit, but. I mean, we saw the hits. The hits were there. I mean, yesterday in Game 3, they had, what, 10 hits? And they can only put up two runs, and we saw something similar. Um, or in Game 1, I think they only had like three hits or something like that. But in general, the offense went cold at the wrong possible time as much as um, Game 2 was really electric. Bo kind of led the way with that. Marcus Simeon also hit a homer. So that's also disappointing uh, throughout the series was the offense kind of in- being inconsistent uh, throughout these three games.
2: Yeah, and I don't know if I'm concerned about the offense going into series against Baltimore because, as we've seen in the past, a series against Baltimore can do wonders to wake up your offense just based on how bad Baltimore's pitching is. But when you're talking about the offensive problems of that this team, that was the root cause of... Of the issues during this series you can't yes, you can blame Robbie Ray and his clunker of a start all you want Yes, you can blame, you know, Charlie Montoyo, and we'll get into that for the management decisions Which some people took issue with but when you only score two runs on what you mentioned 10 hits against the Yankees You're begging for a loss you are in nine times out of ten going to lose that game if you only score two runs so That's just the truth of the matter, and when you look at it, I think it comes down to the top four batters, top five batters in this lineup. You look at the way it shaked out, Bo obviously we know he had a good series, his two home run game in the one Blue Jays win, his home run being the game winner for the Blue Jays in the bottom of the eighth on Wednesday, and he had another, as you mentioned, Bryson, a big double in yesterday's game, which almost mattered, but didn't end up mattering. Um... You go down the list, George Springer stayed hot. And I thought he would kind of be the X factor for the Blue Jays. If he was hot at the top of the lineup, the Blue Jays would succeed in taking at least two of three from the Yankees in this series. That wasn't the case. He went five for 12, two doubles, a walk, and an RBI. But it just didn't work. The Blue Jays either A, couldn't drive him in, or B, he didn't drive anyone in. You look at going down the lineup, Marcus Simeon, I think this is where the root cause is, two for 12, one home run, one walk. Two RBI. You got a Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Two for 11. Two doubles. So both of his hits were doubles. And both of them were pretty big doubles. They both drove in RBI. um, But one walk for him. And then this is the kicker, I think. Teoscar Hernandez. 0 for 11. One walk. Four strikeouts. So when you have George Springer doing all these things at the top of the lineup. But then the next three guys. are, Or I I guess three of the next four guys. Not including Bo Bichette. Are pretty cold. The offense isn't going to do anything. And I think that's the reason why the Blue Jays lost this series. Is that three of the top five guys in your lineup are cold. You aren't being able to drive in runs. You're leaving guys in scoring position. And even as much as the bottom of the lineup did in this series. I think they did. Especially the last game. You have Corey Dickerson having a good night at the plate. You have Santiago Espinal doing his best to help the Blue Jays out. It doesn't matter what the bottom of the lineup does. If the top supposedly three of the best hit five hitters in your lineup are going ice cold when the season is on the line. So that is pretty much exclusively who I blame for the losses in this series. Um, We'll get into it a little bit later about some of the frustrations with game one and how, you know, you can't totally blame the Blue Jays for lack of execution, but um, the offense is really what it comes down to in this series.
0: Mm-hmm. and y- you look at uh, look at the Yankees' big guys' home runs in that last game, or the first game, you know, the Blue Jays, it was they were leading, I think, at one point, or tied, or whatever, and then you look at the yeah, Yankees. Yeah,
2: they were up 2-1 to one at one point.
0: Mm-hmm, and Yankees had three home runs in that game. Blue Jays uh, had zero. So, I mean, they had the, what was it, 3 or home runs in that second game. I think it was uh, Bichette with two, Simeon with one. But uh, when you, know, you look at Judge and Stanton... When the best hitters in the Yankee lineup are doing their job and and are driving in runs, and your your best guys are not doing it, it's it's difficult to win, and, and it's probably nearly impossible. And same thing, I mean, you know, they they scored five runs in the uh, second game. I think a lot of people are forgetting that the Blue Jays blew a lead in that game too. Like we, honestly, if Bichette didn't have that game that he did, it easily we could be talking about a sweep, and we could be talking about how they're already either been eliminated today, or, or yesterday, or eliminated today, if they lose to Baltimore, so, it's not, like, like, as much as you want to blame the pitching, as much as you want to blame any, anybody else, at the end of the day, they, these were all winnable games, the game, you know, I mentioned you were leading, obviously, you ended up losing 7-2, to two. a little bit difficult, I guess, to argue, to score eight runs, or that they should have scored eight runs, because, okay, maybe that was the, the game that, that you ended up losing this, in the series, and that got you, but, they were able to execute in Game Two, but then in Game Three, it was just the same problem. They just Yankees had four home runs, or that was no, excuse me, I think it was five home runs out of their four hits, or or whatever it was. Like basically all their hits were uh, were home runs, and you know when the Blue Jays have nearly double or, or more than double the hits that you have. It's it's just inexcusable, I, I think, to not to not win really, to or to not score any more runs. And considering you leave eight men on base in that game, it's difficult. You know, the the top of your guys, the top of your lineup, for a team that's built on their lineup and that revolves around it, your lineup really, I think, needs to be the best part of it. And it just it wasn't in this series. You know, even in the second game, you you could have argued that you know Guerrero's double should have gone out of the the park maybe, I mean, I guess it it technically bounced back into play, but same thing, you know, say that was a the third run for you, you still probably would have ended up losing. and I know the situation might have been different. maybe you know you're, you're the Yankees only tie it or maybe Robbie Ray doesn't give up those home runs. but at the end of the day, when you're basically in the biggest se- series of not only this season, but probably over the last four or five seasons, you gotta, you gotta come to the plate, and you gotta score runs, and that just, it did not happen, and for guys like Teoscar Hernandez hitting over 300, now his average is dipped to under that, and I mean, still a good season, still a 290 hitter, but you can't have that happen, you can't have that dip happen in the most important series of the season, and it, it, it was, I think, what ended up beating the Blue Jays, and one thing that I wanted to mention is, I'm kind of surprised Grichik was in the lineup yesterday, like, yes, he's hit, over 20 home runs I would have preferred Gurriel now the only problem is is he I don't think he can field yet I don't I don't think that he's he's really ready to do that I still think that you know maybe you put him at the DH you have Dickerson maybe in center I don't know how to how comfortable he is with their that but it's just I don't think that you can necessarily afford to to have guys that are not your best guys and even if Gurriel is not a hundred percent if he's at least able to swing off. You don't want to. You don't want to reaggravate or, or push something, rip out any stitches. But if you're able to get your best guys in the lineup, then it, it, they definitely do need to be in the lineup because at this point, like we, the lineup should be the best part of this team, and they were scrambling for hits for for really half the series. Or and it's just it. It's an unfortunate way to end it. You hope that this isn't the end of certain guys' tenures. Robbie Ray, Marcus Simeon, having great seasons. You don't want it to end this way, especially you're at home. Like you want to. Give your home fans one last thing to cheer for before you potentially go to Boston and before you go to New York to play that wild card game or whatever tiebreakers. But it at the end of the day, your offense does need to pick up. It, you have a chance against an, a, a team that is not very good in the Orioles. But I'm not necessarily betting on on the offense really completely turning around unless really they show show us because even in that series against the uh, the Twins at home, they had that first game where they just had all those hits didn't score any runs so you know or or scored very few runs so that it's just it's unfortunate I think the the, we're maybe pinpointing the problems maybe focusing too much but at the same time you need wins they were all winnable games and the offense just kind of didn't come through so at this point you have one game to make up you need two games really to do that all you can hope for is some type of miraculous change, and that's probably the only thing I think that I'm holding on to right now is just hoping that this offense is able to revolve or turn around and, and be the thing that the team revolves around.
1: Yeah, I mean, when it comes to Gurriel, I'm not totally surprised for me uh, that he was out of the lineup. I just feel like him playing with um, him him playing with the hand injury that he did have or the stitches. You know, it's a lot different than playing with a. a Sore growing or a sprained knee or whatnot. If he can barely grip the bat or have pain doing that, then there's not really much he can you you like you can expect out of him. And I thought obviously he wasn't himself in those two games that he played. And if that's really the end of his season or I guess you know the season where. He broke out as much as he did with those numbers. It's a shame it ended that way because of the incident that happened. So I'm not as surprised as you are, Jacob, but I just feel like it's a lot different than playing with something that's nothing to do with actual, you know, gripping a bat or holding a bat. But, you know, I I just want to start things off with Robbie Ray, too. I'm not here for Robbie Ray slander because for those who are blaming Robbie Ray or have any fault for his performance— Number one is that the Jays aren't here without Robbie Ray. Uh, they have no chance to get in, no matter how slim the chances have been, how close or how you know whatnot of how close they've been to a playoff spot. None of that is possible without Robbie Ray in this rotation. So I'm going to put that to bed right there. And second of all, I go back to or or I go back to what you how you kind of introduced this topic, Mark, is just flat out. This series alone, the Jays were just outperformed by the Yankees, and you give the Yankees credit. Um, the Yankees found ways to win. And I have a couple highlights from game one, the first game with Hunjin Ryu starting. First, my first highlight is that base hit that Anthony Rizzo had where he kind of like reached completely over the plate and managed to get an RBI uh, single through left field. And then the second highlight I have was the Giancarlo Stanton home run where he pretty much golfed at it when he was so low in the strike zone and he managed to uh, get that out. of I, I think they came out after and said it was the lowest pitch that Stanton's ever hit a home run off of or something like that or at least it was one of
2: the lowest pitch he's ever hit a home run off of and then I think it was the lowest down and in pitch that Trevor Richards has ever
1: had a home run hit off of him out of like 900 pitchers or something yeah exactly and you you know you can call that lucky unlucky but I look at it more like the Yankees found a way to win, and of course you go to Game Two, and I was I was at the game personally on the second game on the Wednesday, and I knew right away, or I had some sort of feeling. I didn't really know right away, but it was in the back of my head. As much as the Jays went up for nothing, you knew that's not how the Yankees were going to go down. You knew they were going to get in back in the game somehow, and they slowly tripped away. They managed to tie the game late in the game, and thank God for Bobuchet's home run which was a, a crazy moment, but before that you knew that the Yankees weren't going down like that. I mean I, I had that's and that's exactly why I was worried after um, Brios left the game. and near the end of the Brios outing, I guess that's kind of when the Yankees started hitting, but for the most part Brios was solid and um, that's why you traded for him and I think that was a highlight for me though was Jose Brios's performance as well. He goes what six innings, three earned runs and seven strikeouts. not much more you can ask for um, out of a starter like that and in game three. We know the disappointment that came yesterday. Again, uh, the Yankees found a way to get to Robbie Ray, regardless if you agree or not of how late he was in the game or if you wanted if you wanted him to be pulled early. The Jays had ten hits um, yesterday, and we I mentioned that a couple minutes ago, and they managed to get two runs out of that. If you score more runs, we could have been looking at a different scenario here. But the uh, the Yankees just found a way to score runs, score runs. Uh, Anthony Rizzo was an absolute killer this series. I mean. For someone who you know hasn't played the Jays much in his career, it's just um, that was that was t- that was a tough pill to swallow. And of course, you have Judge hitting home runs, and then that Gleyber Torres home run that th- um, that was definitely another one where you just get frustrated. Um, and that's something I was really frustrated with. So it's just um, you you know when you want to summer uh, sum it up as quick as possible, the Yankees outperformed them. They found ways. Um, to be clutch in situations, and the Jays didn't. I mean, the, of course, some starting pitching was the highlight for, you know, maybe game one if you want to count it for Hyunjin Ryu, and then of course game two with Barrios, but for the most part, they were just flat-out outplayed, and um, if there's any sort of hope that the Jays have to get in or play a tiebreaker or play the Yankees again, maybe at some point in the wild-card game next week, Things got to change, and you you have to you have to come up with big hits. I mean, that's the only reason, or that's the only way you can have any sort of shot if you find if you find a way to get into that. But I mean, that just kind of proved out throughout this series that the Yankees were the better team, and um, you know they, if, as far as I'm concerned, they deserve to be where they're at after their performance this week. They came into Toronto in front of an increased capacity, and they found a way to take two out of three as the road team um, against the Jays. So. It's just, um, it's just a tough pill to swallow throughout the series in general. But um, I mean, again, we'll see what happens this weekend.
2: Yeah. And you mentioning those two hits by Rizzo and Stanton, that was just infuriating. I think that was probably the the angriest I've been at a Blue Jays game all season this year, just because like, if you're Trevor Richards, what do you do? <laughs> like, what do you do to avoid that Stanton home run? It's a ball that's, Literally inches above the ground, practically right next to John Color, John Carlos Stanton's legs, and somehow he's able to turn on it and hit it out for a home run. Like, you can't do anything about that, and it's so, so infuriating to watch. And um, as much as I think uh, Thursday's game was a game of disappointments, I think Tuesday's game, it was just pure frustration. I was very pissed off watching that game because of what happened there. And um, yeah, it's a tough way to go for the Blue Jays. Um, Let's talk a little bit about the management of this series. People were complaining yesterday about the decision to leave Robbie Ray in past what probably was his best before date in the uh, the final few innings there when he gave up a pair of home runs. He gave up three home runs and four batters uh, along with a walk. Um, people were advocating for him to be taken out earlier. Other people saying, you know, look, he's your ace. Um, the question is whether... You have someone better in the bullpen to come in after him, and that's also up in the air. Who do you bring in in that situation in the sixth inning to, you know, close things out and and keep the Blue Jays alive? And you obviously don't want to go to someone extremely high leverage like Jordan Romano, so do you rely on someone like Trevor Richards, Adam Simber? Who would you bring in that situation if you're going to take Robbie Ray out that early when he's only given up what? one or two runs in the game. So um, do you guys disagree with the decision to leave Robbie Ray in the game, um, even when he was struggling before the big blow of especially the Glaber Torres home run?
0: See, here's the thing. Robbie Ray has been the ace of this staff pretty much since day one or since his first start of the season. It was a little delayed, but he's been their best pitcher. And I think to some degree, he's earned the right to stay in a little bit. Now, one thing that I think maybe goes against that is when you look at the first, first, second, and third time throughout the order, the opponents against Robbie Ray have a 188 batting average in the first time, goes up to one, or goes down to 179 in the second time, but then goes all the way up to 302 the third time throughout the order. So that's a pretty big jump. Guys are hitting nearly double or two times as good. And then even the OPS goes from 609 to 550, then to 936. So it's clear that guys are hitting him a little bit better, that third time throughout the order, but at the same time, you're in the most important game of the season, your ace, really, he's being your ace, I mean, he's only allowed two hits going into that inning, I think, or, or one hit, actually, it was the home run, you kind of got to give him a, a chance here, and when you, when you think about, okay, he clearly doesn't have it, do you take him out early, maybe you can argue that, and, and that's probably a fair point. But then you got to figure out who do you put in. And one guy I think we got to mention is Nate Pearson. Two strong innings. And something that was interesting is, I think it was Dan Shulman mentioned that Aroldis Chapman in that game was finally not the hardest-throwing pitcher because Nate Pearson was just somehow throwing 102 with absolute ease. Like, he's going faster than... Most cars do on a highway, and he's just doing it pretty much easily, and it was consistent too. That's that's why I'm saying it was easy. It seemed as if every pitch was 100, 101, 102, and maybe you give him that. I mean, I, I kind of like him coming into a fresh inning. You can argue that you still put him in midway through, whatever it is. But he's probably the guy that I look at. I mean, Julian Merriweather maybe not in that situation, unless you want to give him two batters and then give Pearson a fresh inning. But I think that's just the problem. You have too many high leverage guys, or maybe not enough high leverage guys, and too many high leverage situation. Because Adam Simber pitched, in, I think two of the three games, Trevor Richards threw thirty or forty pitches in that first game. Uh, Jordan Romano, I think he he played in the second game. I don't think he played yesterday, but at some point, you know, even Tim Mesa, he gave up those uh, those two runs in the second game. So maybe he's not going to pitch in in the third game. It's just it's unfortunate. Y- you. Have you have guys that are good enough to get you outs, but you have almost too many outs that you need them to get. And if you can get Robbie Ray to give you a couple more innings or or an inning or a couple more outs, I think you still give it to him. It didn't work out this time. I mean, sometimes he'll maybe only allow one home run or leave with a couple hits or and a couple guys on. This time it 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 just it did not work out. And the home runs I think have been a problem for him all season long, but. But uh, I think you still give him a shot. It didn't work out this time. I think if it did work out, we'd be talking about how he was able to bounce back and really beat the uh, beat the Yankees and really show himself that he, he can get out of those situations. But it's unfortunate that it didn't end that way. And all you can hope for is that this wasn't his final start as a Blue Jay in front of those that Roger Center crowd because it it just it takes away I think or it leaves a bit of a damper on a very good season. And you just you hope that he's able to at least give one final impression of what he's truly capable of because what we've what we saw really not even the whole game but what we saw in that last inning was not the real Robbie Ray and the same thing happened to I think Barrios in that that middle inning or that middle game he had a no-hitter or excuse me not even a no-hitter he had a perfect game through five and two-thirds and that one stretch of batters really got to him and, and resulted in those earned runs and Blue Jays ended up winning that game the damage wasn't as bad but that, you know, you, you talk about what happened with Burrios. He was able to rebound. It's just, in this situation, Robbie Ray wasn't. And going back to it, like, obviously hindsight is twenty twenty. 20 What happened, happened, and we know it. But in the moment, I think you still give Robbie Ray a chance. You know, he basically, he's going to throw you either a fastball or a slider or the one curveball that he threw to the outside of, uh, I think it was maybe Stanton or whoever it was, but you know what you're getting out of him. I still give him, in the moment, I would still give him that chance to at least redeem himself because he's proved that he is capable of it and he's proved that he's he's just, he's been your best pitcher and really one of the best pitchers in the entire league all season long.
1: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, I don't think, um, or I don't disagree with the decision to leave him in just for the fact of uh, the season that he's had and the fact that he is um, still the front-runner despite yesterday's start uh, for the, uh, the Cy Young Award, so... You know you can under- you can understand why people were I guess a little bit you know hesitant to why Montoyo didn't pull him earlier. Although I still don't agree with pulling him in that situation. I don't see who you're going to bring into the bullpen in the middle innings in the sixth inning like that to take on um you know the the, Yan- the heart of the Yankees order. And then even if you get out of the inning, you know you got you got to take on the the top of the order again with who in the seventh inning because Simber and Romano are the eighth and the ninth inning. I mean Richards, yes maybe, but you. Know, you know I just I feel like if you're gonna decide between going to Trevor Richards or staying with Robbie Ray uh, I think I think everyone's gonna well I guess not yesterday but for me I'm staying with Robbie Ray any day of the week and um, it was just um, a slow inning here that kind of fell apart fast I mean you know Robbie Ray gets one quick out and then you figure that um, it was on the right track for him to get out of the fifth in or sorry out of the sixth inning Rizzo and judge go back to back that leads to a mound visit you walk Stanton which is um, I guess understandable And then uh, Gleyber Torres, who you figure that, you know, that Robbie Ray can get out, doesn't. And uh, he hits a two-run home run, and that pretty much sealed the game from there. So I just don't see who you bring in in the sixth inning to take on um, that part of the Yankees order, even though you're heading towards the bottom of the order. Because, like I was mentioning, anyone other than um, Simber, Romano, and maybe even Richards, I have nobody else who I'm willing to uh, throw into the game. As much as Nate Pearson had a good start, or, I'm sorry, a good um, relief appearance... I still don't know if I would throw him in there like that in the middle of the game. I think um, the way the Jays have used him this year in situations, um, some have been high leverage, some have been not, or some haven't been. I think they're kind of being careful with him and just trying to make sure he's getting on track for the end of the year and closer to the next year. And It has been a good month for him in general. I think it was a a a 3.5 ERA this entire month of September, and even over the last 15 days, uh, a 135 ERA in six appearances. So that's one... Um, highlight you take away from I guess the bullpen was Nate Pearson being good against this Yankees lineup but other than that I, I really don't see who else you're going to bring in and that's why as much as uh, it didn't work out for the Jays I can understand why Charlie Montoyo left in Robbie Ray. I actually disagree with both of you um, I will
2: say at the time I didn't take issue with the 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 decision to leave Robbie Ray in so I don't totally blame Charlie Montoyo there because at the time like you say, hindsight's 2020. I wasn't harping on Montoyo or anyone else to pull the plug kind of on Robbie Ray. But looking at it in hindsight, even ignoring what we know now about what happened with the Claver Torres home run, you can still look at it and predict that happening. Like you look at his numbers third time through the order. We've gone over that. Even if you just look at the eye test at what Robbie Ray is doing in that game He is not hitting his spots. His velocity is ticked down a little bit. He doesn't have his ace stuff in that inning. He's already given up back-to-back home runs and just walked a batter. You can tell that he doesn't have his good stuff. You can tell he's not the pitcher he normally is. And I don't think his status as a potential AL Cy Young award winner, I don't think his status as the ace of this team should override what you can see is coming from a while away, so again, I didn't see this at the moment. I didn't think this at the moment. I wasn't sitting watching my t v screaming at Charlie Montoyo, but in hindsight, the numbers I think are just glaringly obvious, so I don't it's not a situation where the pitchforks are out for Charlie Montoyo in my mind, but I think it's a decision that if you had back, you have to do it differently. Just because what do the numbers indicate? Um, Another thing that I did take issue with, um, it didn't really end up mattering, but it's a decision to pull Trevor Richards after only six pitches. He got the the final two outs of that inning after Robbie Ray comes out of the game. Trevor Richards comes in, he strikes out Gary Sanchez on three pitches. Um, He goes to one and one on Brett Gardner before Gardner flies out to left field. Um, I don't understand why he was taken out so early. He had only thrown six pitches, five of which were for strikes. And Charlie Montoyo decides to go to the bullpen again and bring in Nate Pearson. And again, it worked out. Like, all kudos to Charlie Montoyo. Nate Pearson worked out. He had probably his best outing we've seen from him since 2020 in the Wild Card Series against the Rays. And that's exactly who Nate Pearson could be for the Blue Jays for years to come, if everything goes as planned. But that being said... I don't understand why Trevor Richards didn't come out for another inning. Pitch the 7th, save Pearson or you know, all these other high leverage guys you have in the bullpen. Save them for the later innings instead of bumping everything down, moving everyone down a notch, and having eventually to go to Julian Merriweather. If you keep Trevor Richards in that game, you don't have to go to Julian Merriweather. Maybe Merriweather doesn't hit that home run. The Blue Jays are that closer to being in the game. So... Kind of a domino effect there. I just didn't agree with the decision to have such a short leash on Trevor Richards.
0: Yeah, I agree, honestly. I mean, he threw a lot of pitches in the first game, but I would have still given him... Prob- I would have still given him at least uh, some of, of the, the next inning. And Pearson threw two strong innings, but maybe you give Trevor Richards an inning in two-thirds. He comes in, or, and then Pearson comes in and finishes out the game. Maybe that ends it or or shifts the ending. Maybe there's a bit of a chance for the Blue Jays to come in. I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. Like, it, it in theory, it worked, or in practice, it worked. But in theory, you probably want to do that a little differently, give your best guys or give somebody like Trevor Richards, really, a, a clean inning to work with. And then you potentially have Nate Pearson. And then the, there's another guy that you didn't use. Maybe Merriweather could be used if needed tomorrow, or to, now it's today. Maybe Steven Matz doesn't go as deep. You can put him in for an inning or two. But, yeah, it's it's one of those things... I, I hesitate to call it nitpicking because at the same time, I think it is something that we could justifiably say was wrong. But, you know, it, it's just one of those things. I would have given Trevor Richards probably th- two or three more batters. Maybe he gets a, gets a couple out in the next inning. Even if he has to get out of a jam, I probably let him get out of that jam. but And then and then you give Pearson the next two innings. So, it, it's just one of those things. I think... If it didn't work out, like you talk, we talk about with Robbie Ray, how he got pulled too early or, or too late. If it worked out for him and he was able to get out of a jam, then it would have been great. But at the same time, this just—it was unfortunately something that didn't, or, or did end up working out. So you learn for next time. You realize, okay, no, we're actually not going to take guys out after six pitches, especially when they have more room to give. You let them get some some more outs, give you a bit more of a chance to come back into the game, and just be thankful that this one didn't end up hurting you and, and hope that in this series against the orioles you don't make those decisions or, or those missed decisions if that's even a word when you're you're really your backs are against the wall and and the pitchforks they just need one i think one room or, or one little inch to just pull the plug or, or to stab those unfortunate playoff hopes uh right in and basically end them
1: yeah, I don't look at the Pier or the Richards to Pearson. Um, I didn't really think of it too much. I can understand the questioning of why I guess uh, Richards was only uh, pretty much facing a few batters and that was it for him. But I mean, there's there could be so many reasons to that. I mean, maybe they want to save him for tonight. I, I I really don't know about that. But just going back to the Ray thing too quickly. I mean, I just I feel like you know if you want to talk about eye test. I mean, I think we've seen enough this year in terms of the bullpen coming in and blowing games. For me, if you're going to do that and pull Robbie Ray out of the game for that and take that chance, it's just maybe it's the amount of times that they've blown games this year for me to disagree with your take, Mark, but I'm not willing to take that chance and witness it again this late in the season. So, And I, I really do think him being a Cy Young Award candidate or leading the way, being the best pitcher in this rotation, I really do think it mean, it means something, which is why I was willing to take the chance with Robbie Ray, despite all the numbers of third time through the order or not. If you're going to pull, if you're going to, and here, here's the other thing too, is the longer the bullpen's in the game, it just, it if it takes away your chances of winning. We see that Tuesday night, even though it was a different situation, Hyunjin was out of there before five innings, you have four innings of your bullpen, and um, it didn't go well for the Jays after that. I mean, I know it's a different situation, it's just for me, the amount of times that we witnessed it this year, uh, with the bullpen-blowing games, I wasn't willing to take that chance with um, in this situation, pulling out Robbie Ray like that, so... I mean you can see it from both sides but for me I'm I'm I don't I don't see or I don't criticize Montoya for taking that chance and even with the Pearson and Richards thing that one I don't really see much to you know nitpick on I I really didn't think much of it again so I mean There's just so many other things behind the scenes that we don't know about for maybe why Richards was only in there for um, two or a couple batters. Maybe he was just supposed to get out of the inning and uh, the Jays were going to go elsewhere after that. So it could have been all something lined up in a plan. But um, I mean, we'll see what happens again. And uh, I just, it's an interesting conversation though, for sure, with the Robbie Ray thing. So I know it is pretty divided. I know some people um agree with it some people don't but that's just for me after what we've seen this year from the bullpen it's something that I'm not willing to take the chance on in the sixth inning if it was the eighth inning or even maybe the seventh inning an inning later then I'd probably agree with you a little bit more but just the fact that you're still in the middle innings it's not something that I'm willing to take a, a gamble on at all
2: but for me like in that situation keeping Robbie Ray in you lose the game right there you give up that Torres home run. Basically, it's over. I would much rather have them button down that inning. Maybe you give up a three run home run in the eighth or ninth inning. But at that point, you have more time to come back. You have more time to stay in the game. I'd rather that happen later in the game than earlier. So that's all I like. I want to keep the Blue Jays in the game for as long as possible. You want to avoid that finishing blow for as long as possible. But um that, and that's why I think Robbie Ray should have been taken out there. And again, hindsight's twenty twenty. And yeah, that Pearson thing, that's really nitpicking. And it, it obviously didn't matter. But it's just something that stood out from that game. But um, bottom line, if you're trying to look for positives, the Blue Jays at the very least won't be eliminated tonight. They can only be eliminated starting tomorrow night when they play Baltimore on Saturday. So if you had told us two years ago that we would be in this situation of watching the Blue Jays play a game 161 of a crazy, crazy season, be looking for 90 wins, be not able to be eliminated until game 161, I think we would all be content with that. But we'll wrap the podcast up there. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode and we're hanging on for one more regular season podcast. And then we'll have to decide what to do with our life if the Blue Jays make the postseason or if they do not. Um, but until then, you can support our podcast by going to patreon.com section138pod. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at section138pod. You can support our podcast by giving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And then as always, you can find our episodes on YouTube. Or if you are watching this on YouTube, you can listen to them wherever you get podcasts. All right. Thanks for tuning into this one. We'll be back after this weekend series and after the regular season ends against the Baltimore Orioles.